this sermon is going to be different today because I'm going to be storytelling in addition to explaining the scriptures. We're still in our series, Purposeful Prayer, and we're on our fourth topic, Multiplying Disciples. Multiplying Disciples is distinct from our second prayer topic, Praying for the Lost. When I pray for the lost, I'm praying specifically for a person who does not have saving faith in Jesus because I want and God wants to move that person toward and into faith in Jesus. That's making new disciples by addition, one person at a time. But Jesus, in our passage today, sees so many people who God wants to draw to salvation that he prays a prayer for multiplying disciples. He requests God to provide more disciples that make other disciples. Jesus prayed for multiplication of disciples, and then he exemplified how it's done. The story of Jesus is told in slightly different ways in Matthew 9 and 10 and Luke 10. I'm going to read both of these accounts and then explain how they're the same and how they're different. After that, I'll retell the story in a way with application for us. We'll begin by reading Matthew 9.35 and read straight into chapter 10 because it's the same story. We just happen to have a poor historical choice for a chapter break between Matthew 9 and 10. Matthew 9, starting verse 35. Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them, because they were distressed and dejected, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Then on to chapter 10. Summoning his twelve disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits, to drive them out, and to heal every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Jesus sent out these twelve after giving them instructions. Don't take the road that leads to the Gentiles and don't enter any Samaritan town. Instead, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you received, freely give. Now let's read the same story from Matthew 10, 1 and 2 and then 17 through 20. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. He told them, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Verse 17. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over the power of the enemy. Nothing at all will harm you. 
However, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. First, let's notice the details that are the same. Jesus tells his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. And Jesus sends out his disciples. That is the core truth that both Matthew, Luke, and I want to convey. Jesus sends out his disciples, then and now, because more workers are needed for God's harvest of lives to be saved. The differences in the accounts are also important. Matthew only mentions the twelve apostles being sent out by Jesus. It could be that one time Jesus sent out the twelve and another time seventy-two, but most likely this is the same incident. Matthew is writing his gospel to Jews so they, they will believe Jesus is the Messiah, the promised Savior, the descendant and heir of King David. In writing to a Jewish audience, Matthew chooses to emphasize the twelve disciples because there are twelve tribes of Israel. Jesus' instructions in Matthew are for the disciples to only go to Israelites, even though we know Jesus ministered to and taught all people, even intentionally going to uh, Samaritan and Gentile regions. But Matthew's overall purpose is to show Jesus as the Jewish Messiah, so he uses this particular story to secondarily emphasize that. The Jewish Messiah sends his 12 disciples to the 12 tribes of Israel as workers of God's harvest to heal and proclaim the kingdom of heaven is near. Luke is not a Jewish man, and he's not want writing to a Jewish audience. Luke's secondary purpose of this story is to show that Jesus' message of salvation is for everyone. So Luke includes all the disciples that Jesus sent out, not just the 12 apostles, but 72. Or is it 70? Depending on the Bible translation you have, Luke 10.1 may say that Jesus sent out 70 or 72 disciples. We have about equal numbers of ancient manuscripts that have 70 or 72. Both numbers are correct for Luke's purpose. Matthew wanted to show Jesus as the Savior of Israel. Luke wants to show Jesus as the leader and Savior of the world. And that Moses prefigured him as the leader and savior of Israel. In Numbers chapter 11, God tells Moses to appoint 70 elders to help him judge the people. Moses brings these men to the tent of meeting so that the spirit of God can rest on them. However, two men, Ildad and Medad, remained in the camp, yet the spirit of God rested on them also. The question, even in ancient Israelite times, was were Ildad and Medad part of the 70 that should have gone to the tent of meeting, or were they an extra two? Numbers 11 is not clear if Moses took 68 elders to the tent of meeting with two staying in camp, or if Moses took 70 men to the tent of meeting and Ildad and Medad were bonuses. Now jump ahead to Luke. For the sake of discussion, let's say that originally Luke wrote down, Jesus sent out 70 disciples. It seems that very early on in Christianity, some scribe looked at Luke's gospel and said, Ah, oh, I see what Luke is doing here. But being a Gentile, he didn't, didn't understand that Moses actually had 72 elders. So the scribe adds the word duo, or two, to the gospel. But there are also plenty of people that believe Moses only had 70 elders. So they prefer the story with out duo. 
This debate about whether Moses had 70 or 72 elders was so common that Christians simply let both versions of the number of disciples stay out there. Because what's important is not whether Jesus sent out 70 or 72, but that Jesus sent out to everyone, and that makes Jesus greater than Moses, who only sent his elders into Israel. Whether we are telling the story with Matthew's 12 disciples or Luke's 70 or 72 disciples, the core message of the stories are the same. Jesus tells his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest, and Jesus sends out his disciples. So if you'll now indulge me, I'd like to tell the story again my way, not emphasizing Jesus as the Jewish Messiah nor Jesus as greater than Moses, but Jesus as the man who multiplies disciples. Jesus had been traveling around all the towns and villages in Galilee. He's called disciples who are following him, but it's Jesus doing all the preaching in the synagogues, countrysides, and shorelines. Jesus not only preaches the good news of the kingdom of God, but allows people to experience the kingdom of God by healing diseases and sicknesses like leprosy, lameness, and blindness, to name just a few. He casts demons out of people and raises the dead. From his preaching to his actions, Jesus restores people to health and community with other people and with God. There are so many towns to visit and people that need healing or a word or a touch from Jesus or people who just want something from Jesus like a free meal or to make him a political king to lead a rebellion that Jesus can barely get away for a time of personal prayer and rest. He is sometimes so tired that he can sleep through a storm as he and the disciples sail on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus feels compassion for all these physically and spiritually distressed and dejected people. In so many towns and villages, in need of restoration. But Jesus is just one man who can only be in one place at one time. Even empowered by the Holy Spirit, Jesus realizes in his humanity he cannot do it all himself. There are simply too many sheep for one shepherd to care for. Have you ever had that realization? Have you ever felt like all the work was on you? I have. True or not, whether a big event or a small task, sometimes I feel like I'm the only one doing laundry or fixing things around the house or working at the church. Maybe as far as I know, I'm the only person with the experience to do certain jobs. Like right now, I'm the church video editor. It's not that others can't do video editing, but I don't have anyone right now to teach what I know, or I don't have anyone else who already knows how to do it. I may ask myself, am I the only person inviting new people to Christ? I know that's not true, but if I don't hear what everyone else is doing, it may feel like I'm the only one. In my life, there are too many jobs for one person to do perfectly. And the kingdom of God is certainly something that I can't do all by myself. Jesus, realizing his situation, makes a request, a request to both his disciples and to God the Father. He tells his disciples, You can see, just as I do, that there are many people who need to hear and experience the kingdom of God. It's like an abundant harvest, only not of wheat, but of lives. When there is an abundant harvest, the landowner needs more laborers to gather it. Right now, there are only a few workers, really only one, me. 
Pray with me to God the Father, who is the Lord of the harvest, to send more workers into his harvest. There is some work that only Jesus can complete. Only Jesus can fulfill the law of God perfectly. Only Jesus is a perfect sacrifice for the disobedience of all humanity, because only Jesus is the one and only Son of God and Messiah. But there are other works that Jesus can share. I mentioned in our last session that people are often one of the means God uses to answer prayers. Jesus also knows this. Perhaps Jesus asking the disciples to pray for more workers was a prayer to change the change and prepare the hearts of the disciples to move them from being observers of Jesus to workers with Jesus. And honestly, that's my prayer for us today. From among his many disciples, Jesus chooses 12 to be leaders, apostles, sent ones. Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot. But Jesus is not just going to add disciples. He's going to multiply disciples. Let's take some logical liberty with this story. Jesus is going to send out 72 disciples. 72 minus the 12 leaders he has already chosen leaves 60. Divide 60 by 12, the number of leaders he has, and we get 5. What if Jesus says to each of his 12 apostles, Each of you is to lead five other disciples so that you have a small group of six. From your small group of six, go out in pairs to every town and village that I want to go into. I give you all the authority to preach. Let people know that the kingdom of God is near. I give you all the authority to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the unclean, and drive out demons. Everything that I have been doing, you can now do. I freely give you this authority, so freely use it to bring in the harvest. Restore people to life and community with God and others. Be the answer to the prayer given to the Lord of the harvest to send more workers into his harvest. Jesus then releases the 72 disciples into community ministry. And when they return, the disciples are so excited. Jesus, it worked! Some of us were kind of unsure about that casting out of demons thing. Sometimes that's scary, and we've been taught to leave that to the professionals. But by the power of your name, even the demons fled. Jesus replied, What you did helped to change the cosmic balance of the world. Satan no longer rules, but is cast down. Now the kingdom of God is here. Neither snakes nor scorpions, and by that he means neither Satan nor any demon, can harm you. However, the thing to be excited about for you personally is not just that the cosmic order is restored with God at the top, God image bearers, humans below God, and spiritual beings below third, but rejoice that you are one of the humans who are included in the, recor- in the restored order, because not everyone is. There are still people under the power of Satan and demons, but we have begun the harvest. Today, the harvest is still abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. You and I have the authority to preach, heal, raise the dead, and liberate. We live in a society that has regulated those works to professionals. I have no problem with someone seeing a counselor, medical doctor, or social worker, but Jesus gave the authority for these works to his disciples. 
Get in a small group, find yourself a partner, and go to work. Let's make disciples. Let's multiply disciples. Our psalm of the day is Psalm 96. I'll begin with that and then pray for the multiplying of disciples. Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has performed wonders. His right hand and his holy arm have won him victory. The Lord has made his victory known. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen our God's victory. Let the whole earth shout to the Lord. Be jubilant, shout for joy, and sing. Sing to the Lord with a harp and melodious song. With trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn, shout triumphantly in the presence of the Lord our King. Let the sea and all that fills it, and the world and all those who live in it, resound. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains shout together for joy before the Lord, for he is coming to the earth. He will judge the world righteously and the people fairly. Lord, our shepherd, Jesus builds his church and commands us to go make disciples. We thank you for the lives we have been able to touch. We ask for the prepared souls, the empowered harvesters, and the physical and spiritual resources necessary to do the work you call us to do. Amen. People who are worshiping with us in person today have the option of picking up a dish with a seed starter and a package of seeds. This is our reminder to be harvesters, something that takes care and work. If you're in the area and would like one of these kits, contact the church office, or you can make one on your own. I leave you with this blessing today. May the Lord, who has never failed in any of his good promises, who does not leave or forsake his own, may he turn your hearts to him to walk in his ways and keep his commands that he gave our fathers in the faith.